Did you know that you can listen to every single episode of Gangry the Podcast on our website? Just go to gangrythepodcast.com and you can listen to interviews with amazing writers and reporters like Pamela Koloff, David Gran, Janet Reitman, Tom Junot, Eli Saslow, Ben Montgomery, Landa Gregory, and so many more. Just go to gangrythepodcast.com. That's G-A-N-G-R-E-Y, thepodcast.com. Gangri the Podcast is brought to you by the Digital Journalism Program at Fairfield University. The Bachelor of Arts degree in Digital Journalism is a rigorous 12-course program designed to provide students with the skills, knowledge, and experience needed to take part in today's quickly changing media world. The podcast is also brought to you by the College of Arts and Sciences at Fairfield University. The college grounds students in the 500-year-old Jesuit tradition of academic rigor and personal reflection while providing them with the critical skills needed to succeed in work and life. To learn more about the Digital Journalism Program and the College of Arts and Sciences, visit www.fairfield.edu. Welcome to Gangry the Podcast. I'm Matt Tullis. For this episode, I talked with Wright Thompson. Thompson is a senior writer at ESPN and the author of Pappyland, a story of family, fine bourbon, and the things that last. That book just came out earlier this week. It's published by Penguin Press. Pappyland had a strange route to publication. It was initially supposed to be a book Thompson ghost wrote for Julian Van Winkle, Van Winkle's a bourbon genius who found a way to rebuild a business that was built by his grandfather and lost by his father. In the process, he's created a bourbon that people pay more than $3,000 a bottle for. But ultimately, Thompson saw the book become something much more. It was quickly apparent to me that the conversations we were having about family and life and fatherhood and all those things were uh, as interesting or more interesting to me than the history of the whiskey. And so he said someone was very important in my life. I decided that I wanted to write about getting to know him and sort of about these big ideas that we would talk about and sort of the white space around the bourbon conversation. One thing the book is about is fatherhood. It's about both Thompson's father who passed away several years ago, and Thompson, who in the book is in the process of becoming a father. It's almost magical that just five days before Pappyland was released, Thompson's second daughter was born. Pappyland is actually Thompson's second book. His first, The Cost of These Dreams, is an anthology of his best work from ESPN. He's still writing long-form narrative pieces for ESPN, He's also producing the TV series True South, which focuses on Southern food and culture. The show airs on the SEC Network. Thompson was a guest in the early days of the podcast. He was featured on episode 11 in October of 2013. At the time, we talked about his profiles of Michael Jordan and legendary wrestling coach Dan Gable. 
As usual, I've linked to a lot of Thompson's work on the website. You can find that at gangrythepodcast.com. That's G-A-N-G-R-E-Y, thepodcast.com. Right, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, man. What a pleasure. It, uh, I, you know, I wanted to, to start off by saying it's been such a long time since you were on the show, all the way October 2013, you know, but then I saw something else that I thought we should start the show with, and that is congratulations uh, to uh, a new father, not a new father, but a, a father on a second-born uh, daughter. Yeah, man, uh, Louise McKenzie Thompson was born uh, uh, last Saturday, so we are... Uh, uh, Nobody's sleeping much at the Thompson house. We've got uh, <laughs> two under the age of 40. <laughs> well, you know, after reading Pappyland, um, it, it's almost, how is that more perfect timing than to have her born a couple of days before the book is officially released? It's pretty interesting. I mean, the, it's selling really well, which means we're sort of printing the third or fourth run of books. And I actually just changed the... Uh, dedication on uh because uh, of the arrival of louise uh and uh, i didn't want to put it on there before because to jinx anything but uh, uh i sent an email from the hospital room to folks at penguin press i'm like could you uh on the next printing could you change that for me so that was pretty fun yeah that's 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 pretty amazing um uh, you know i'd love to to have you talk a little bit about about the book itself um you know, uh, the official title, Pappy Land, A Story of Family, Fine Bourbon, and the Things That Last. Um, uh, tell, tell me about the book uh, in general, what it's all about. It's, uh, man, it, it's, a, it's a weird hybrid of a book. I mean, it, it's part narrative nonfiction uh, story about bourbon and Kentucky and part sort of almost first-person travelogue meditation on these ideas of uh family and inheritance and home. And it was a really weird one to write because every time I tried to outline it, it didn't work. So I just threw all those away and just decided I was going to let it sort of tell me where it needed to go. Yeah. How did the whole project come about? Like all good projects with a great agent. My agent, David Black, hammering on me to write a book about bourbon. And, uh, I mean, he almost like he almost just put a gun to my head, and thank <laughs> God he did. Because uh, I mean, he saw this. I think he understood what would happen if, if I got dropped into the world in a way that I didn't. And so, uh, I mean, it was like it was originally just sold as Julian's story, and then I didn't tell anybody what I was doing with it until I'd written a third of it and sent it in to the editor. Mm-hmm. So like, I just you know. I sort of was like, look, if everybody just hates this, I'll just start over. And, but I'm just going to try this. So that was fun and also nerve-wracking because I didn't really tell anyone that what I was doing was not at all what we had sold. Right, right. In the um, copyright, uh, Julian is actually, Julian Van Winkle, we should actually explain who he is, but is actually listed as, as, as part uh, copyright person, right? Uh, I haven't looked at the copyright page, but yeah, I'm sure. Can you? What did you original? What did you originally pitch? The original pitch was I was going to ghost write a book about uh, about bourbon, and then I just didn't do that at all. <laughs> and so it was, it was, uh, yeah, it's this crazy weird hybrid thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, what, uh, what was it? Uh, I mean, this is the first book you've written, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, what was the, the, the writing process like for you versus, you know, all the other stuff that, that you've done at ESPN? I mean, it was very similar. I mean, it just took longer. I mean, but it, the, it was a lot of fun just because there was so much more real estate to allow things to, to unfold. Like you felt like you weren't, didn't have to be a sort of gimmicky or as, uh, overt with story arc stuff. You could just sort of let things, you could put things somewhere and let them start laying track for things as opposed to having to be as much of a conductor. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that part of it a lot. Yeah. Um, how, uh, how, how did you, um, what was your first encounter with bourbon? Cause I, you know, you know, I'm reading the book and I'll be honest, the first time I ever had bourbon in my entire life, I was 39 years old. Um, it was in Kentucky actually at maker's mark. Uh, cause I was running a relay race, um, uh, the bourbon chase, but 39, you know, um, how did, how did bourbon itself come into your life and how did it grab hold of you? Uh, I mean, stealing liquor from my parents' liquor cabinets in high school, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, I grew up in a weird little town, so uh, it was easier for us to get whiskey than it was to get beer. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that was just out at a field party somewhere, I'm sure. Right, right. Well, uh, one thing that um, I really liked about the book was uh, the fact, the, the backstory on how bourbon came to be. And what it what it takes to make bourbon? Um, how much of that did you know going in, uh, and how much did you learn through the reporting? I didn't know any of it, uh, so that was fun. I mean, like if I'd known all this, I probably wouldn't have done it because mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been that interesting. Yeah, but no, it was fascinating to me. I, uh, you know, I, all of that was really good. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to know more about bourbon history, because I, mean, I only sort of used the parts that were relevant to the thing we were doing. Uh, is it? guy named Reed Mittenbuehler who wrote a book called Bourbon Empire that mm-hmm. you should really check out. Julian Van Winkle. Uh, tell me about him and uh, how you, the first time you met him and uh, how this whole relationship started, which which is so important in the book. You know, I met him at a party in Atlanta years ago. And then I just started, you know, I went up and met with him. You know, we'd met before socially, but I went up and met with him to start talking to him. And it was quickly apparent to me that the conversations we were having about family and life and fatherhood and all those things were uh, as interesting or more interesting to me than the history of the whiskey. And so he said someone was very important in my life and a, uh, you know, sort of a father figure. I mean, if I'm being honest and uh, I feel like I'm an honorary member of the family that, you know, his daughter's like a joke that, you know, I'm staying, I'm, I'm upstairs in the guest room, which is now my room. And, uh, but I, I decided that I wanted to write about getting to know him and sort of about these big ideas that we would talk about and sort of the white space around the bourbon conversations. And so, like, you know, the, the structure of the book became half the story of someone who makes bourbon and half the story of someone who drinks it and tried to sort of create the, to, to replicate the idea that at its best bourbon isn't the thing, but the vehicle to the thing. Mm-hmm. And so like that's, so that's the structure, the idea of the structure. Yeah. And he, I mean, he had a, a really interesting story as well, right. In terms of his connection to bourbon, right. It's really interesting. And he also, 
So uh, by now, all four of his children, his wife and his sister, have read the book now. And all of them said that they learned things about him they didn't know. And so, like, yes, he had this interesting story, but he's also a very, very, very private guy, mm-hmm. even within his own family. And so, I mean, it's pretty crazy. Uh, he's pretty uncomfortable this week. <laughs> Did, uh, has he has he read it? He has read it. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it's interesting. He, uh, yeah, I think he, he appreciates it and he, uh, he's definitely uncomfortable with how unvarnished he is. Mm -hmm. One thing that I felt when I was, um, reading the book is how much it feels like it's, it's about love as much as anything, right? Yeah. And that was sort of the, for sure. That was the thing was, um, you know, so much of your great reporting, you know, what we talked about when you were on the show last time, um, you know, when we talked Dan Gable and, and Michael Jordan, um, you know, you're writing really deeply about other people and, and you write really deeply about Julian as well. Um, but what was it like for you to write about yourself uh, in that same deep way? It's interesting. Uh, excuse me, I'm eating French fries. I haven't had lunch today. <laughs> oh, uh, the, uh, you sit down in your basement and write this thing, and you sort of forget that that anybody is going to ever read it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was a little. When I started this draft, I mean, I just thought there was no way Penguin was going to even go for it. So there was a certain amount of freedom in knowing, well, I can just be completely honest because no one is ever going to see this. Right. And uh, so I feel a little bit like Julian does too. I mean, I like to. I like to tell other people's stories and, you know, I'm in a lot of my stories, but it's often as a tour guide, not as a character, you know? Right. And I, I mean, I'll be real honest with you. Uh, I'm pretty uncomfortable this week too. I don't, uh, it's not my favorite feeling in the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, just the capacity of love comes through so much throughout the entire book. You know what I mean? And, and maybe, I don't know, maybe that helps you feel better. I don't know. Um, uh, but it, I mean, it was, it was emotional. I thought, um, you know, especially, especially when you're writing about your dad, which you have done before, right? I mean, you wrote uh, Holy ground for ESPN, which is yeah, what this was. This was way deeper than all of that. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting in the way that I almost, I got into it to write a, a story about, this bourbon and this guy that I liked, and I ended up almost just using all of that to do the thing that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, and it, it is a really weird book. I mean, I, I don't, you know, it's hard. I've been on radio for like three straight days now, and it doesn't have an easy elevator pitch. You right. know what I mean? Right. I mean, if you, it'd be hilarious. If, you, if somebody did a super cut of all these interviews, it'd be hilarious because it's like a, describing 12 different books. <laughs> But it, it just is, it, it's odd, and it's very much its own thing. I mean, I'm working on another book now I actually can't talk about. It. I don't mean cryptic, but I just can't. And uh, But it's much more, you know, traditional. And this is, I don't even know what this is, you know? Yeah. I mean, how long did it take you to, to, to settle on, like, how many drafts? How, how, much, how many words did you throw away? I threw a lot, dude. I threw a lot away. Uh I mean, the thing I was really, I was struggling with a couple of things. I was struggling with the distance between me, the distance between sort of the narrator and Julian, you know? Mm-hmm. 
and I just couldn't. It didn't unlock until I realized that it was going to be a buddy movie, for lack of a better, you know, I mean, to boil it down to it. So, you know, it was going to be me and Julia, mm-hmm. sort of travelogue, travels with Julia, you know. An early title was Making the Trip. I mean, I'm glad we didn't use that. But, but I, I mean, that, it, once I, it took me, it took me, I mean, I sold this before the collection. One of the reasons I put the collection out was just to try to buy myself some more time. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, like, I just couldn't, so I mean... I don't want to get this. I was a year and a half late, two years late. You know, that's what I was. I was wondering. Um, I like, was really late. When, like when, really late. When did you When did you start on this in terms of showing up at that uh, Kentucky Oaks day? Was that three or four years ago? I mean, these, the conversation started longer than that. Right. Three years ago? Four years, I don't know. A long time, and I was really late. And I, I mean, I'd already spent the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I had to give them the buck. Uh, I mean, I really, I just couldn't figure it out. I, I hated everything I was doing until I, uh, because it also, this wasn't Michael Jordan. This was a guy who I had, I'm always sort of looking for father figures. I know that's a flaw mm-hmm. in a thing I do. <laughs> but like, until you became like very important to me. And I couldn't figure out how to write about that. Yeah. Had you had other like stories for ESPN that you just struggled with, or is this the first time? Because I struggle yeah, with every I story I write. Hard. So <laughs> I struggled hard. I did a story about Ted Williams and his family mm-hmm. that I must have written. I don't even know how many times. I mean, I struggled so hard that basically Jay Lovinger and I stopped working together in the middle of it, and Paul Kix and I started working together because Paul was able to land that story and Jay wasn't. Yeah. I mean, like, that story almost undid me. But that's the closest experience to to this. Yeah. yeah. Usually I'm, I sort of know, you know? Right. I, there's there's a part um, in part two, chapter 10, uh, when you start talking about um, why, when you realized you wanted to become a journalist. Uh, you were reading North Toward Home by Willie Morris. And you write, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to quote it, but that... that that reading that book um, kind of helped you realize that uh, you wanted to roam and you wanted to avoid yourself by diving into the lives of others. Yeah. Is that still true? Cause I kind of feel like with this book, you really dove into yourself. It's interesting. Uh, sorry. I'm out in the country. Uh, uh, say that again. I want to make sure I heard you right. Cause and- I don't, you know, uh, you you actually, actually, I'm actually going to quote it um, because being a journalist would let you roam. I'm not quoting it, but would let you roam and and how it would let you avoid yourself by diving into the lives of others. Um, and yeah. you actually said, I quote, "I've always been happiest when dreaming of escape." And with this book, right? I mean, you are diving into Julian and to everything that's happened with him, but I also feel like you dive deep into yourself. And I'm I'm curious. I mean, is that still kind of that the happiest point you are when you're dreaming of escape. I mean, I think this book is, I think I am working out some shit in public. That is that maybe I should have done in private, but I, you know, I think the combination of this book coming out and these past seven months of COVID, I mean, I've been at home. Mm -hmm. This is the longest I've ever been in one place since I was 18 years old. And it's weird. I mean, you have to, you know, I mean, I've been on the road. God, I don't I want to, 
at least 180 days a year for 20 years. And yeah, it's interesting timing, all of this. Yeah. Because like when, when ESPN cranks back up again, I mean, I got to tell you, 180, 200 days a year on the road right now sounds impossible. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that all of that has been interesting. Uh, to you know, to be talking about this book and to have done all of this and then be forced to be still. It's very odd. I mean, yeah. it's interesting. I, uh, so we, just, we knew we were going to have another child in our house. I love our neighborhood and our neighbors. We live right by the square in Oxford. And so I can't, I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to move from our neighborhood. And so I took my office at home and I turned it, we turned it into a playroom for the girls and I bought some land and a little cabin outside of town at my office. Uh, I'm getting a cell phone booster out here, so I won't keep missing your questions <laughs> next time. But I, uh, I'm, I'm staring at a horse field right now, and it's like this is you know, it's totally silent. It's yeah. all it all feels sort of still. I don't know to answer your question. I feel <laughs> like I'm sorting some of it out. <laughs> but, I think that's what uh, all people who write anything that is any bit of memoir. <laughs> are doing they're trying to sort things out in public at least that's what i was trying to do with my book so yeah it's just a weird thing to do like once you put it like that you're like this is a weird insecure narcissistic thing to do but that's <laughs> there you have it you know i think insecure narcissistic is the greatest um description of me that at least that my wife would ever think up of so um oh, jay loving you used to always say <laughs> writers are the weirdest mixture of arrogance and insecurity <laughs> so um i mean what's what 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 um once espn does crank back up what what will you be doing in terms of uh are you going to go back and doing you know writing the long form narratives or you know uh, wh- yeah, what are you doing get, it's time time to get back on the horse yeah have you done any of that type of reporting re- during covid at all or because the book has probably been I, written for a while oh yeah the book's been done i did uh, uh I have an Archie Manning story that's coming in a week or so that I did during COVID. Uh, uh, I have, uh, I've been doing, I have a huge Lakers thing that'll run next year that I've done a lot uh, over the phone prep stuff. And then once we're clear to travel again, I'll have a flurry of like two and a half weeks on the road and knock it out. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I'm very set up to, be efficient in that way. So that's just sitting there waiting on us to be able to go again. And I've done, you know, I've made another season of True South, my TV show, which I love. And I mean, I've been doing a ton of TV voiceovers just because I can do that at home. Yeah. I know you, uh, you, you said you've done some stories during pandemic. Um, how do you yeah. get details and stuff? Uh, if you're trying to do some sort of narrative type thing? Oh, I'm not, I'm doing them in person. Oh, are you? Yeah, I, I I just did stories I could drive to. Okay. And you're still able to get close enough to, to be able to, to report the way you normally do? I live in the South. People don't even think this shit is real. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is, that's true. Um, so, I mean, I, I kind of want to ask you, you know, because, you know, in the book, it ends with Wallace being born. We'll kind of shift him back to the book, Pappy Land. It ends with Wallace being born. What what's the last three years been like for you up until the newborn and being a dad? I, I, dude, I love it. I mean, I feel guilty about my travel, but I've you know I've liked being home. Uh, I'm good at it. I you know 
I, I still am in touch with my imagination, so I'm good at sitting on the floor and playing hours of Peppa. You know, I get really into it. I, it it's it's really great. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have a 16 uh, year old who just got his driver's license. Oh my god! And a 13 year old eighth grade girl. So it definitely gets more interesting the older they get. So. What do you do about their social media stuff? Um, you, they're not even interested in it. It's awesome. It's crazy. I like my, they both have Instagram. They both have TikTok, but they're locked down. You know, um, my son has Twitter, but I think that's because that's how they communicate for his cross country team. But no, I mean, that's for awesome. the most part, I, they're, neither of them are that interested in it, which is actually kind of, kind of a refreshing break. I was, I was actually going to ask you a question. Because I've, I'm going through this phase where I'm, tr- t- I'm trying to become disentangled from Facebook. And I know you're not on Facebook and you're not on Twitter anymore. How, d- how did that help your writing when you, when you kind of pulled yourself away? I mean, it didn't help my writing. It just helped me be a better person. I mean, it didn't help or hurt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean... I mean, I'm less distracted, I guess, and I'm less sort of low-grade angry. I just want to be... I mean, you're talking about... All right, so one of the things about Julian is because his business exists 15, 20, 23 years in the future, is that Julian takes the long view on everything and is really sort of unaffected by daily storms that so affect the rest of us. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be incredibly seductive. Right. And... I just would like to be more like that. Yeah. 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 You know, um, after I, I finished your book this morning, I went back and read Holy Ground, um, which is which is in your collection. Um, yep. And I was struck by something, you know, that because you, you end that uh, that piece, you know, you're standing out at, or not. You don't end it there, but at Naaman's Corner, you kind of hear you're standing out there and you say something and you hear the crowd rise up. Um, but then I just realized, you know, after, after seeing that you had a, a new child on Friday, that you had a new child almost at the same time that the masters is happening, but the masters is happening in November this time. I thought that was just kind of crazy. It was very odd. And also, uh, uh, I mean, it's, uh, today's the opening day of the masters. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is, uh, I have a picture of, so that little onesie I bought at the end of Holy Ground. Right. Uh, I have a picture of Wallace in it and I love that. (laughs) Do you still have it? Are you going to put it on the newborn? Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, right. Um, thanks a lot for talking with me about Pappy Land. Uh, it went on sale on Tuesday and, it's already selling off the shelves. Um, you having any events that, that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, I have on the 14th, I have a virtual event at third place books in Seattle. We're raffling off three bottles of Van Winkle. You can go to rightthompson.com and get the stuff on where to do that, where to buy the tickets. And then on the 16th, we are raffling off three more bottles at square books. It's fun. I'm having a great time with all of that. And I, uh, Learning a lot about marketing from uh, people who make whiskey. They're a lot better at it than writers. Yeah. Oh, I don't doubt that for a second. No, like Julian and his daughters could sell anything. Right. You know, and his son Preston is brilliant. Like, the, the, you know, 
so I'm, I'm very lucky in that I get to go to school from, on, for some really smart people. <laughs> and, uh, like they're really good at it. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, it turns out I'm really bad at it. Yeah. Well, Ray, thanks a lot for being on the show and, uh, good luck, uh, and get some sleep at some point in time. No shit. <laughs> thanks, man. That was Wright Thompson. Thompson is the author of Pappy Land, a story of family, fine bourbon, and the things that last. The book was released on November 10th by Penguin Press. As usual, I've linked to a lot of Thompson's work on the website. You can find that at gangrythepodcast.com. That's G-A-N-G-R-E-Y, thepodcast.com. Stay up to date with the podcast by following us on Twitter. That's at Gangry Podcast. Gangry is spelled G-A-N-G-R-E-Y. You can also like the podcast on Facebook. You can subscribe to Gangry the Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or any Google Play app. Just search Gangry. That's G-A-N-G-R-E-Y Podcast. Gangry the Podcast is produced in Donnarumma Studios at Fairfield University. It's made possible by Fairfield University's Digital Journalism Program and the College of Arts and Sciences. Our music comes from Audionautics. This episode was hosted and produced by yours truly. I'm Matt Tullis. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.